Welcome to Between the Headphones, a Georgia sports podcast. I'm John James, sports editor at the Red and Black, and your host for this podcast series. Each week, I'll talk to Red and Black sports reporters to get the pulse of UGA athletics straight from the source. This week, I'll be joined by Red and Black football reporters Bo Underwood and Tori Newman. Up first, we'll talk to Bo about Georgia's 45-3 victory at Ball State on Saturday. Welcome back to the show, Bo. Always a pleasure, John. Yeah, so when talking about the Ball State, um, I just wanted to start first things first. That first quarter, a little rough for Georgia. Uh, first shutout since Auburn last season. Was that cause for concern for Georgia's offense? I wouldn't be too worried about it until after the South Carolina game this week. Only because this is a new offensive coordinator with a new starting quarterback with a ton of guys in and out of the lineup because of injury. At a certain point, is the offense going to have to get more aggressive and move with more urgency? Yeah, absolutely. They'll need that this week. They're playing their first SEC opponent. But I'm not necessarily worried about the way they looked in their first two games against a, F- a MAC school and an FCS school in two games where they ended up scoring more than 45 points anyway. So... If they string together some more slow starts, if this continues to happen after the first two games, I would start to get a bit worried. But, you know, after the first two games, they're largely tune-up games against super inferior opponents. I wouldn't be too worried. It's the middle of September. It has looked like the team needed a lot of tuning up at points. But, again, they scored 45 and 48. So they get it on track at a certain point. It's just a matter of how quickly they can start. You mentioned that uh, one reason for the slow start so far has been injuries. Specifically in the running backs room, there have been a lot of injuries. Uh, and we saw Dylan Bell get a lot of work in the backfield. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a, just a fun little quirk of the offense, or should Georgia fans be a little worried about that running back room? It, it was definitely fun. Um, it was really cool to see someone as athletic as Dylan Bell get to get a chance in the backfield and do some stuff he doesn't get to usually do, uh, especially as a former high school running back. But, yeah, I would be a little bit worried about the running back group right now. I'm reserving judgment until Dejan Edwards comes back, though. He is not an elite receiver, but he is the best receiving threat they have in this room right now. He's probably their quickest runner also. So, if nothing else, he provides an element to the running back room that it just doesn't have right now really and if these two games have caught me have taught me anything about the running back room it's probably that Dejon Edwards is the most important guy they have in that group right now um especially just what he brings as a receiver he brings more than anyone else does and that's going to be huge for Carson Beck as a first time starter to have sort of that security blanket out of the backfield because right now aside from you know, what what Cash Jones has done in moments where they're already up by 30. They don't really have that type of guy. And Dylan Bell was a lot of fun to have back there on Saturday, but I think that was probably just a result of injuries piling up more than anything else. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in, you know, a few more sporadic instances in the backfield throughout the season. One thing about Dejan from last year is just that Kenny, Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Moon were always like they were reliable, steady hand kind of running backs. And whenever you saw Dejon in the game, it was kind of a change of pace. He always brought some kind of pop. He was always making something happen in the game. Right. So I do think when he gets inserted into this running room, we're going to feel a lot differently about it than we do right now. I agree. But we can't just talk about the offense in that game. The defense is also a major factor. 
three interceptions in the second quarter alone. Do you think that kind of turnover frequency is sustainable for the defense? I don't think so. Not not that Georgia is not an outstanding defense, not that it's not capable of grabbing turnovers, but interceptions in particular, I just don't see as something that a defense is going to just generate week after week after week. Most of the time, just kind of by definition, interceptions are a result of the defense getting kind of lucky. You know, someone tips a ball back, quarterback makes a bad throw, someone runs the wrong route, something like that. Now, that's not a take away from the Malachi Starks interception, which was a phenomenal play on the ball by Malachi Starks. But the other two interceptions in that game were off of tipped balls that Georgia's had the right guy at the right time for. Like, the Chaz Chambliss interception is the most ridiculous thing ever to me. Um, kind of, it reminded me of the uh, the Smile Monday interception from the SEC Championship last year. It's just like, st- plays like that don't just happen every week. That's That's something you have to get pretty lucky to have happen. Which is why it's just not that kind of that rate of interceptions. This is probably not something I would expect every week from Georgia. But if they continue to get pressure and force quarterbacks to make mistakes, then they could definitely end up forcing some more takeaways. Yeah, I think that kind of luck element is a really good point. Uh, Georgia's interception in week one was another tip ball that Kyron Jones brought back for a pick six. Uh, the Malachi Starks interception was a great play, but also it was a wildly overthrown ball that he shouldn't have had a chance to get to. He just that, that was a one-of-one one play that not only Malachi could have made, and he only was able to make it because that was not a good throw. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the interceptions are going to slow down over the uh, at least not three a week, but I don't think that says anything about the Georgia defense as a whole. I think it's still a really good unit. Yeah, I fully agree. Speaking of that Georgia defense, we saw Smile Munden get back on the field on Saturday. What did you, what did you see from him in that game? So. Small Munden is probably still not a hundred percent. Just and I'm basing that off the fact that he played, I think, twenty three snaps in that game. Which, to be fair, is a big increase from like I think it was like five or six he played against UT Martin. So it's it was great to see him out there for a lot more than he was out there for against UT Martin. And, you know, he he looked pretty good from what we saw. He looked like the small Munden that we're all used to. He tied for the team lead in tackles with four, which Four four tackles leading the team is, is wild, and it's indicative of just how many guys are out there making plays for Georgia on Saturday. But, yeah, Munden, I mean, he moved well. He looked pretty comfortable out there, especially, you know, playing next to Jamon Dumas-Johnson. Um, I'd expect his snap counts to just kind of gradually increase until it becomes— I, th- I think we'll know, we'll, we'll know when Small Munden is, like, fully back. I think it'll be obvious. He's one of those players where it'll be obvious, but— He's so talented that, you know, he's clearly not at his best right now, but he's still out there playing pretty well and leading the team in tackles. So, yeah. So one person gradually working himself off of the injury report, another person added to the injury report. Sean Bullard came up hurt in the game. Uh, how did that impact his secondary? He's a he's a major member of it. So what, what kind of effect did that have on the team? Yeah, well, just in, in terms of the game on Saturday, he, he got hurt on – it was Ball State's first drive, so which you'd never want to see that that early. Obviously, the defense ended up just as a unit playing an incredible game, forcing all those turnovers, won the game by 42. But someone as good as Javon Bullard getting injured that early in the game is just is is objectively just never good for your team. Um, the immediate impact of the injury that game was we saw a lot more Dan Jackson, we saw a lot more David Daniel than perhaps 
originally um, anticipated, but they both play, they both play pretty well. Um, neither of them are as just freakishly athletic or physical as Bullard is. You know, not many players in the country are, but they're both experienced members of the secondary who they play smart. I think they both had a pass breakup against Ball State. If you're into that kind of box score stuff. Um, you would definitely rather have Bullard out there. I think he's probably a top five safety in the country. Um, but, you know, the defense rolled against Ball State, and if Bullard has to miss more time, I think Georgia should still be in pretty good shape with Jackson and Daniel picking up most of the slack there. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so moving on to our final question for you, Bo. What was your biggest takeaway from Georgia's 45-3 to victory over Ball State? We've already talked about this, and I hate to to talk about a forty two win, forty two point win as if it was a negative because it was not. The defense played outstanding. The front seven looked great. The run defense was really good. Carson Beck looked pretty confident out there for the most part. But like watching that game for me, I think the thing that I was mostly thinking about after was the running game has to get better for Georgia. It just like I'm I'm counting on it to improve with Edwards back. But he doesn't solve all their problems, like you said. Like he's a change of pack, a, cha- a change of pace running back, which is which is good. But that's not gonna just save your whole team. The run blocking has been nowhere near as good as it could have been. They've been really good in pass protection. They haven't been very good in run blocking so far, especially relative to the competition they played. Roger Robinson has been pretty impressive from what we've seen, but you know he's a north and south runner. He's not the quickest laterally. He doesn't offer you a lot as a receiver. Kendall Milton just kind of lacks burst. Kendall Milton at this point, I think after all the injuries, this is unfortunate to say, but he doesn't have a whole lot of elite traits that get you super excited about him as a player. He's a steady hand, and he's a reliable guy, but he's not like a a needle mover really for this team. The rest of that group is some walk-ons. We haven't seen much of Andrew Paul yet. So if the running game continues to play like this, SEC teams just aren't going to respect the run as much against Georgia, which could get them into some trouble when they're trying to close out games in the SEC. And as a back-to-back national champion, that's just never what you want. So I think the running game needs to improve. The rest of the team, especially the defense, looks really good. The receivers look pretty talented. But that running game has got to step it up if Georgia wants to win three championships in a row. Is there a week on the schedule or a team you're thinking about about when you say they've got to figure it out by this point in the schedule? I think if I had to say that right now, I think it would probably t- be Tennessee. If you walk into Neyland Stadium and you're playing a Tennessee game, a Tennessee team who is still a top 15 team in the country who throws the ball very well in a super hostile environment in Neyland I don't think you really want that game to become a track meet where you're both just throwing the ball back and forth. So Georgia needs to be able to run that ball and needs to be able to just sort of play their brand of football because I don't know how many games you're going to win with Carson Beck in his first year as a starter having to throw it 60 times a game. Not that I ever think that will happen, but if the running game is just something that teams don't really respect against Georgia, it's something that all of a sudden isn't impossible. And I think that should be a scary revelation for this Georgia offense, and they really need to get that run game going. Keep an eye on it as the season goes along. Either way, thanks for coming on the show, Bo. Thank you for having me. Now, we'll be joined by football reporter Tori Newman. We look ahead to Georgia's conference opener against South Carolina this weekend. 
Welcome to the show, Tori. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so, just a little bit of background on South Carolina's season so far. They lost in North Carolina. They struggled against Furman. Not great showings on either front. Is there any reason that Georgia fans should be nervous about this season opener? Or not? Conference opener? Not really. Um, the Columbia native in me wants to think that they should be a little bit, but... In reality, I would say, like, this game is probably kind of it. Like, they have, of course, Tennessee and Old Miss, but I think those three games would probably be the biggest challenge that they have. But I really like to think that the offense that beat Tennessee and Clemson is in there somewhere. Doesn't really look like it with those two games. But for the sake of a competitive game, I would really like like to see them kind of bring it, but don't really think it's going to happen. Um Rather than a challenge, I think it might be an opportunity for Georgia's offense to kind of come out strong. They've been kind of slow, but I'd like to see them come out against an SEC team and kind of see what Carson Beck would look like in comparison to Spencer Rattler. And then um, I'd also like to see the defense kind of let loose and really flex the assets that they have. And, um, you know, our offense has been kind of slow and conservative, but you can afford to do that against the UT Martins and Ball States of the world, but not so much in the SEC, so... But kind of like Kirby said yesterday, fans should be more motivated instead of nervous. So speaking of that South Carolina offense, Spencer Rattler got sacked nine times in the season opener. Is Georgia have that kind of defensive front that can put up a repeat performance of anywhere close to nine sacks? I say absolutely. They have um, The D-line has been kind of quiet so far. They should have had at least a sack against Ball State, but... They did blitz a lot, so they gave they put up that pressure, but there was only one sack, I believe, against UT Martin and then none against Ball State. But with South Carolina having a weaker O-line like that, I really think Zion Logue, Tramel Walthour, Nazir Stackhouse should really bring it and go after Spencer Rattler in that offensive line. If they can't get pressure on Spencer Rattler in that offensive line, that secondary might get tested a little bit. Hypothetically, let's say Javon Bullard can't go for the South Carolina game. Who needs to step up and help keep that South Carolina passive game in check? I would like to see a Malachi-Starks-Stan Jackson combo. We saw Starks against Ball State, and we already knew this, but Starks, legit. He led the team with eight tackles and a pass breakup against UT Martin. And then again, he had an interception against Ball State. I believe it was him, Chaz Chambliss, and then um, somebody else I can't remember off the top of my head. But I think Georgia's stronger out there with Bullard, but I'd like to see how he can fare on his own with, obviously, Jackson. He's more of a veteran. Um, also, we could see David Daniel, who could replace Bullard out there at safety, but Starks would be a more impactful guy out there if it's just him and Dan Jackson or David. Um, Starks is already a starter, but I would like to see how he handles working with someone who doesn't always take first-team reps and then um, kind of adjusting and then seeing how Starks would fare as a leader on his own. Understood. Um you mentioned Georgia's fans, and there's been a little bit of controversy about Georgia's fans in the lead-up to the South Carolina matchup. Over the offseason, South Carolina defensive lineman Tonka Hemingway said that Tennessee and Texas A&M were the loudest stadiums he'd ever played in, and Kirby Smart took a little bit of... He wasn't happy with Tonka's comments. He dared the Georgia fans to come out and come out loud like he did last season against Tennessee, like he did for the Notre Dame matchup in 2019. Do you think that South Carolina is going to walk into the most hostile environment Tonka Hamway has ever played in for that, for that conference opener? 
I hope so. I really think the Bulldog fans are going to show out. People are ready for a real competitive game and SEC play. While it's not a number one versus number three situation, when you're a back-to-back champion, people are going to want to see you play regardless. I actually looked at Ticketmaster earlier to kind of see what the tickets were looking like. And a nosebleed seat in Section 611 costs around $125. And then Section 108, which is to the left of the student section, I think the lowest I saw was $280 for back row, and the highest I saw was $963 for a row towards the front. Then also as a student, like going through group me's, I would say South Carolina and Ole Miss are probably the two home games where people are looking to buy and sell most. So I I have high expectations. I think people are ready for it, and I think people are going to really show out. Yeah, historically when Kirby has called on the fans, they have always showed up, uh, and it's had an effect because Tennessee was having so many false starts in that game. Notre Dame had six false starts when they played Georgia in 2019. So I think uh, South Carolina might be biting off a bit more than they can chew when they come to Sanford. But in the case that they, they can handle Georgia in Sanford Stadium, what do you think is the worst case scenario for Georgia in this game? I think that would be Georgia doing what we've seen them do these past few games, just kind of slow start slowly offensively. Um, against Ball State, we saw a few small mistakes from Carson Beck. He had those two incomplete passes in the first quarter. Um, also playing conservatively, like Makai Muse isn't going to run it back for a touchdown every time he returns a punt. I really think we need to see that offense generate through Carson Beck like initially and as soon as they come out. And also kind of the running game, I would hope that we'd see Dejan Edwards, but we might have to see Dylan Bell out there again. We don't really know what we're going to get with that run game, and hopefully they get to a point where they can figure that out and figure who their go-to is. Yeah, so there are a lot of questions around this Georgia team right now, but now it's time for you to predict some answers to those questions. Tori, give me your prediction for the game as a whole, give me an offensive MVP, and give me a defensive MVP. For my pick, I'm going to go with 38-17 Georgia, and then for my defensive MVP, MVP, I'm going to start with Michael Williams. I really want to see him beat Rattler up, take advantage of that offensive line. Um, He's the best candidate to cause headaches for the Gamecock offensive line. The Gamecocks also rushed for negative two yards in their opener against North Carolina. I really want to see him, somebody else out there, take advantage of that and capitalize on that and then um, just kind of eat their run game alive. And then offensively, I'm not sure if it will be him, but I would like for it to be him, Carson Beck. You're up against one of the most overhyped quarterbacks in the SEC. You have Spencer Rattler on the Manning Award watch list. He kind of came out he came out decent against Furman, against North Carolina. Kind of got sacked nine times against um, Furman. So I want to see when he's compared to Spencer Rattler, show why you're the man for the job at Georgia. You know, come out strong against another SEC quarterback and just kind of prove your worth out there. Yeah, uh, I agree with you on the game. I, I think it's going to be a little lower scoring than you predicted. I'm going to go 35-10 to 10 Georgia victory. Um, defensively, I think that it's going to be Tyke Smith coming up big. I think they're going to run him on a lot of corner corner star blitzes, and I don't think that offensive line is nearly like fundamentally sound enough to pick those up. And offensively, I think if Carson Beck is going to get his rhythm going well, I think he's going to need to rely on Brock Bowers a lot. So I think Bowers goes for a big game in the conference opener. Anyway, that out of the way, thank you very much for coming on the show, Tori. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Between the Headphones. I'm John James. You can find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts and at redandblack.com. For even more Georgia sports coverage, 
which is redandblack.com slash sports. We'll tee it up between the headphones again next week.